Tuesday evening. And welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies, what we affectionately call the Monday Night Mayhem. We got the man of the hour, the sour power, too much sweet to ever be sour. It's been a long time since I did it. Too long, but we got Delonte. What's good? What's good, man? Man, it feels good to be back. Exactly. And of course, you got me, the big guy, KG. Uh, we're going to jump into this, and we are gonna we got a lot to cover, so we're going to start off hot and heavy. Dak Prescott. Okay. <laughs> Dak. Now, it's, it's, it's not uh, a secret that I'm not a Cowboy fan. I hate the Cowboys. I respect uh, the players. I respect their owner. But uh, I hate the Cowboys. But apparently, last week, now, I'm reading this on uh, Clutch Points. They said the Cowboys only made one offer, not two, as as what was reported. Um, $33 million annually, $105 million in guarantees is what the offer was. Now, and that's just an extension. And they're saying that the $33 million is more than Russell Wilson got. Uh... The guarantees are lower than Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. But uh, I'm going to ask you this, Delonte. Take this and run with it. Um, is Dak Prescott worth $105 million guaranteed, $33 million a year? Uh, and, and, and I think in, in, in most languages and in, in, in all terms, no, no. Uh, maybe twenty. Ugh, man, even twenty-five million is is a is a stretch. I mean, don't get me wrong. He he do his thing. He does his thing. But uh, thirty-three mil and then one hundred five million guaranteed. Like, if you look up the word overpaid in the dictionary. This, this this whole news headline should be a prime example. Not thirty three mil. Nah, I I I would say maybe twenty twenty two mil. Uh, let me see. Mm, then again, we the Broncos we paid Case Keenum eighteen million for uh, per season. That was a two year contract. Um. I give him twenty. I give Prescott twenty five mil. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most Cowboy fans would like to see more in the playoffs. But um, and then he, he, he kind of have this thing where he, he, you know, good one season, then they, eh, the next season, kind of flip flop. So I'm sure you know for that amount of money, you want to see some more, you know, see some consistency. Um. Me personally, twenty five mil will be the max. You know what? I'm looking at his stats right now. Mm-hmm. He hasn't. He's never missed a game. Very durable. Four oh, years. Yeah. Uh, 2016 to 2019. Uh, his best year was his rookie year, record wise. They were 13 and three. Right. Um, he's very accurate passing. Uh, career a uh, career of 65.8 percent. Uh. Last season, passing was awesome, 4,902 yards. Uh, he had a career high in touchdowns last year with 30. 
doesn't throw very many interceptions. Last year he threw eleven. Um, but the previous year he threw eight, career high thirteen in uh twenty seventeen, four in his rookie year. I mean he he's good for what he does, but is he thirty three million dollars good? No, nah. because let's flip it. He's been in the playoffs two years, 2016, 2018. He's got one playoff win. Mm. But his numbers in the playoffs aren't that great. I mean, they're not spectacular, but you got one win. Three playoff starts, you got one win. And with the team that the Cowboys have, uh, now they have Amari Cooper. You couldn't make the playoffs. Uh, you have Ezekiel Elliott. You couldn't make the playoffs. You have Dak Prescott. You couldn't make the playoffs. You have one of the best offensive lines in football. You couldn't make the playoffs. If everybody hooping, hollered, bitched, and complained because Kirk Cousins got, what, $84 million guaranteed? What yeah. you think they can do when Dak get 103 guaranteed and he's not worth it? I'm just saying. So that's the news on the stoop right now. Is he worth it? I agree with Delonte. No, he's not. Keep him in a twenty to twenty-five million range. Yeah, and stretch that out over years. Don't give it to him all up front. Right. So, and if we want to talk guaranteed money, hundred three million, he's not in Russell Russell Wilson's category. He's not in Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. Uh, to be quite honest. Aaron Rodgers, he's not in a uh, 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 Tannehill's range. He's not in Mahomes' range. Um, he's not. I, I, is he better than Carson Wentz? Yeah, because he mm. stays healthy. Yeah, yes, because he stays healthy. Yeah, I would have to say yeah, and and you know, uh, props to you know, well, shout out to all my uh, Eagles fans that are listening. But yeah, he is. But shoot, they'll agree with you. But Carson Wentz, I think Carson Wentz, when he's healthy, he does more with less. Right. So, but he's he's better than Carson Wentz. Um, as of right now, he's better than Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum. So he's the best quarterback in the NFC East, yes. But being the best quarterback in the NFC, brother, you're not even top five. No. Nah. So that's just Sideline Junkies perspective, that's their take. That's our take. And I will say this, as I always say, if you came for uh, realness, um, real opinions, this is where you want to be, right here at the yeah. Sideline Junkies. Because this ain't yeah, your mama's and your podcast. That's We're not right. going to kiss somebody's butt. Yeah. Now. Or shine nobody's off, shoes either. So. Not at all. Not at all. Damn right. Now, moving on. We're going to stick with the NFL. <laughs> Delonte's Broncos spend a fourth-round pick, send it to the Jacksonville Jaguars, get a, dare I say it, pretty daggone good, I'm not going to call him true lockdown, but close to lockdown corner, and A.J. Boye. Yes, sir. So uh, take this time, Delonte. The floor is yours. Appreciate it, my man. 28 years old. 28. You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude still within the realms of his prime. Um, did 
uh, did, did I like the trade? Of course. Of course, because cornerback, that was one of our glaring holes. Um, and now with uh, Chris Harris Jr., with him, well, of course, with the uh, AJ acquisition, we're definitely going to lose Chris Harris Jr. Um, I don't, I'd be totally shocked if we keep both. I mean, well, we, we got AJ. You know, AJ's younger. You know, CJ, he lost a step of three. Uh, he got burnt a few times last season. Um, excuse me. Not only that, we got Bryce Callahan coming back. Uh, let's you know, see what happens. Um, let's hope he didn't, you know, commit a highway robbery uh, as far as his contract. But I I love the trade. Um, a lot of my fellow uh, Broncos um, country um, people, you know, especially uh, shout out to my uh, Bronco country um, people on Twitter who I communicate with. They love the trade. Um, we know what AJ can do in the right system, and we we definitely looking forward to um, no the no fly zone uh, 2.0, um, and that is and with definitely no disrespect to uh, the original no fly zone with a key oh, you know of Tablib and uh, and Chris Harris Jr. Um, but I, I really like this 2.0 version. Um, I, I think it, we're going to do some big things. So, uh, welcome to Broncos country, AJ. Um, that fourth-round pick, that was basically, uh, in hindsight, that was Emmanuel Sanders. That was Emmanuel Sanders because I believe we got that fourth-round pick. Yeah, we did from San Fran. Um, so, you know, shout out to uh, E. Sanders for, you know, his, his contributions to uh, Broncos country. Uh, he you know, won a Super Bowl ring with us, but AJ Boye, yes, sir. Welcome to Broncos Country. And, you know, just like any other fan, we look forward to seeing you do big things um, for the squad. Yes, indeed. I mean, me personally, I can't say anything about it because <laughs> uh, that was your time to shine. So, no rebuttal from me. Yes, I hope it works out for you. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, moving on to our next NFL topic. Oh, my goodness. I keep hearing two names, and these are the two names that I've heard when free agency opens. It's going to be a bidding war for these two guys. I don't see how. But my question to you, is there really a market outside of New England and San Diego. I'm sorry, L.A. Chargers. So, for for Brady and Rivers. So here's the thing, um, Rivers. So, um, I've been hearing, reading, and you know, my beliefs are the Colts are definitely interested in Philip Rivers. The Buccaneers have are, are showing some sort of interest in Philip Rivers. Um, I. I've heard the Jaguars, but they got a sticky situation of their own with Nick Foles and his big contract. But the guy, um, Minshew, you know, he, he outplayed him, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, in regards to Foles, he had that unfortunate injury that kept him off for eight games. But when he came back, he did not play like the Nick Foles that uh, beat New England in the Super Bowl a couple years ago uh, when he was with Philly. So, um, and of course, you know, we 
within the midst of this whole youth movement. So uh, the Jags the, the look like they're trying to uh, stick with uh, Minshew as their starter moving forward. But I believe there will be a, a open competition between Foles and, uh, and Minshew uh, for the starting uh, role. But back to Rivers, um, I, I'm, I'm really hearing the Colts. I'm really hearing the Colts. Um, they're pretty high on Phillip. Um, they think he has something left in the tank. Uh, I think he he will he makes sense in Indy. He makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as Brady goes, I, I believe that the thing is um, there are some teams that probably will try to bite. Uh, in regards to signing him, um, yeah, he's 42. He's definitely 42, and you know, fought like uh, towards the uh, second half of last season, as well as that playoff game. Father Tom looked like he was ready to like kick back and you know make his presence known in Tom Brady's world. But um, I don't know, you know. Brady, he's a determined dude. You know, he changed his diet, uh, his, his workout um, fanatic. So, I, I, I believe it's a market for him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Gruden, if they uh, kick the, you know, try to kick a tire or two on on a Brady situation, um, offer him a, a deal. But I believe the the belief is he he'll stay in New England. Um, they of course they got to give him some weapons, a lot of weapons, because Edelman that's not gonna cut it anymore. Um, you know he he's gutsy, but he's getting older too, and you know Grunk's not there anymore. You know the whole it's just I don't. So I I think the belief around the league is he'll 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 stay in New England. All right, and let me let me say this. Granted, TB12 is possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. I think he's the best in the league. Oh, yeah. True that. Why is there a market for him is my question. Because, number one, I can't see him in any other uniform but a New England uniform. That's one. Two is I'm just... What else is there left to prove, bro? Right. Like, what what is the point of keep going? I mean, you're 42. Philip Rivers is 38. Both of you guys are future Hall of Fame Hall of Famers. First ballot. And I've heard Philip Rivers linked to the Redskins. Um, I've heard Tom Brady, like you said, link to uh, Las Vegas, the home of the Raiders. And I'm st- I'm trying to figure that out. Why are you, why why are you trying to put everybody in front of Derek Carr? You just paid Derek Carr two three years ago all this money, and you're putting somebody else in front of him and sliding him to the bench, but you've not given him any weapons to win. Yeah, That's the business. And if they decide to cut Derek Carr, Derek Carr is gonna go somewhere, and I'm gonna use an old school term: blow up, shoot. Weight. That's what he going to do. Uh, yep. <clears throat> Chicago. Yep. <laughs> hey, Chicago be, be a good fit for him. I mean, Trubisky, ah, man, I don't know what's wrong with Trubisky. Yeah. But, hell, I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Phillip Rivers go to Chicago. You know, play a year or two. But you know what it makes me think about? Mm-hmm. And it's sad. 
Now we're old enough to know about these things. We're, we're, I don't think we're old enough to to actually have witnessed it. We're not old enough to witness it. But when Johnny Unitas was done with the Baltimore Colts and Ursay had taken over in Baltimore and they decided to ship him to San Diego. And it was like you watched your your your, your childhood hero who didn't have his knees were gone. You know, he he, he aches and pains. Father time had caught up with him. Yep. Or when Namath was done with the Jets and they sent him to the Rams. That's what I feel like we're seeing. We're, we're seeing two greats being put out the pasture and everybody's going to expect them to be what they were. But it's going to be sad to see. And I, I'm afraid for that to happen because it kind of in my opinion, tarnishes the legacy to see those, you know, final seasons like that. But I mean, that's just my opinion. I, I, I just, as somebody, and I know you did it too. We watched Jordan his last two seasons here in Washington. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had he had flashes. He had flashes, but he couldn't will the team. Like he used to. Right. And he didn't have much talent around. But he couldn't rise to the occasion like he used to. And it kinda it kinda dimmed the light a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to see that happen great. I don't want to see it happen to Phillip Rivers. I don't want to see it happen to anybody. I, I don't want to see it happen. I didn't want to see it happen to Eli. I'm glad Eli retired. I got another name, uh Cam Newton. I don't want to see it happen to him either. True indeed. Even though he he's still he's still young, he, you know he, he has some years ahead of him, but it, uh, I guess it look it looks like it's not really working out in Carolina. They might be going with uh, Cal Allen, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't see what happened with um, with Cam neither. Yeah, taking a lot of big hits over the last couple seasons, couple you know concussion as well. Yeah, injuries piled up. Yeah. Well, last but not least, before we get up out of here on break, um, pay some bills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Josh Norman. Sources, according to ESPN, sources say the Bills have agreed to a one-year deal with Josh Norman. And, you know, when I first saw that, the first thing I thought – it said Josh Norman agrees to a one-year deal with the Bills, and I, I kind of expanded because I was hoping it would say, but the Bills didn't agree. <laughs> but Josh Norman, former Redskin who was cut two weeks ago, is headed to Buffalo. Um, you go first, Delonte. What's your thoughts on that? You know what? Um, I'm and, and, and shout out to uh, my brother BJ. I know he he might be a you know a, a little disappointed um, because of of what you know what everyone's seen from Norman and you know here in DC over the last couple seasons. The thing is, this Buffalo over the past few years they've become known for like their 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 dog. You know, what I'm saying their uh, 
eat like a dog defense. Like their defense is is pretty tough. Um, so you know they they might they bring Norman in and he you know you never know he he might be revitalized. You know, you never know, man. You know, I I say you know just kind of have a, a positive mindset. Let's see what happens. You know, we we might get the Josh Norman from twenty fifteen. I'm gonna say this. When he was signed here in Washington, the first thing I said is for why. I didn't feel he was that good to get all that money, seventy-five million. I was like, yeah. he's that good. And most people say, well, how would you say that? You and I played the position, just like I played safety. I studied the position, damn near half my life. I'll be thirty-nine this year, and I've studied the position since I was seventeen. Uh technique how to do certain things just I just I'm just glad he ain't here no more but <laughs> I don't know I mean it may be a cap friendly deal but I told BJ this morning uh, I don't think it's going if it doesn't work out he's not going to make it out of the pre preseason he'll be part of that uh that last cut Probably last man cut on cut down day to make it down to fifty three. So that may be him. Yeah, but uh, we're gonna throw it over to BJ. He got a little something to say about the situation. Then you're gonna hear BJ again for the anchor commercial, and then you'll hear myself and Delante on the rejoin. So just keep listening. Stay tuned. We'll be right back where we're going to be talking a little NCAA. What's going on, guys? It's B with the Sideline Junkies, Monday Night Mayhem. I just had to add my little two cents to what the guys are doing tonight. I'm in work, so you know how that is. Get to it when you can get to it, but you got to do it. So I just wanted to touch on my Buffalo Bills signing Josh Norman. And this will be really quick. Um, I, I I don't really understand the signing besides that, you know, he has ties with Sean McDermott. I think it's more of a sympathy signing than anything else because you're talking about a Buffalo Bills team last season, regular season, number two defense in the league at 292 point yards a game. That's total. And then you have the number four passing defense with only – 195.2 yards a game. So right there, that it tells you there's no need for Josh Norman on this team. So it's no Buffalo Bill fan that can tell me that this is a justified good signing. Um, and we, you know, everybody knows about Josh Norman's big contract and his performance in Washington. But we'll just go back to this season, this past season. Um, our our um, other sideline junkie, Gary, he makes a good point every time we talk about um, veteran signings. You're telling me, Josh Norman, you couldn't find a younger, hungrier, more athletic corner that could have cost you less than $6 million a year. I think it's $6 million a year, one year, $8 million in incentives. So, and like KG said, you know, we'll see if he makes it past the preseason roster. Um, I knew somebody was going to sign him. I just didn't think it would be this team. I, I I actually thought it was going to be the Redskins and the Ron Rivera tie he had 
with him in Carolina. But Ron cut him loose. Um, kind of the same way, he, you know, when Josh wanted that big contract when he had that one good season in Carolina, and the Panthers kind of was like, nah, not happening. And the Redskins jumped at him. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, personally, um, you know, Tredavious White, you have one of the best corners in the league, probably could have been um, cornerback of the year, defensive player of the year. I think he was second to Gilmore. And, and you know, that's not all robbery. It's, it's, it's robbery with a toy gun. And I say that meaning that um, was White should have been considered. He was considered. But Gilmore is Gilmore. He's always going to get the nod of his, you know, I think White would have had to have a just an extraordinary season, a couple more interceptions. He probably would have won that award. So with that being said, you know, if they do keep Josh Norman around, this is something I suggested when he was with the Skins um, because he just going off this past season, he's not he's not quick anymore at all. And teams know that. And, and whenever he lines up on his particular side of the field, they're going to attack him. It was proven time and time again, especially this season. He got beat on foot a lot. So, um, you know, everybody say he, he's more of a zone corner, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear the excuses. I think it's a sympathy signing um, that somebody we could have did without. And I say we, the Buffalo Bills, somebody the Bills could have done without. But we will see if he makes it past preseason, like KG says. Uh, like I said, Buffalo's already stacked um, passing-wise. Um, I, you know, just going and you know to touch on what their draft needs us. I think it's a, a um, out-of-the-box, athletic, um, you know, attention-grabbing wide receiver. That's what that offense is missing. Um, if they can grab that, they have a lot of number two, number three guys. If they can get a number one, you cooking with grease. So that's my take on the Josh Norman Buffalo Bill signing. I'm BJ with the Sideline Junkies. Monday Night Mayhem. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Have a good night. And just like that, we are back. As promised, we're going to talk a little NCAA. Uh, CBS has put out a little prediction of your your four number one seeds for the tournament selection Sunday is this uh, this March, this Sunday coming up. So I'm excited to see where everybody lands. But I know my Georgetown Hoyas will not be getting cold at all. They they were on the bubble and everything seems to be falling apart. And I think as of now, their bubble has popped. But won't get into that right now. We'll get into that D.C. sports rundown later on in the week. But here are your four number one seeds reported by CBS. Um, as of right now, this is just a prediction. This is not set in stone. Kansas, Dayton, Gonzaga, and Baylor. Uh, Kansas is the, in the Midwest. Baylor is in the South. Gonzaga in the West. And Dayton in the East. Now, let me ask you a question, Delonte. Mm-hmm. They, they're saying that Maryland is supposed to be at least guaranteed no lower than the number two. How in the world did the Dayton Flyers, and I watched them play the other night, they, they played some good ball, but when did a mid-major such as Dayton, uh, Gonzaga's still a mid-major, Baylor's still a mid-major, how are these guys number ones 
over your uh yeah, of course your dukes um Creighton's a mid major they they say they may get a number 2 seed um they're saying Merlin may get a number 3 seed in the south your FSU's your Merlins uh San Diego State was supposed to be a number one, but they dropped a couple games. And how are they even a number two? I'm not understanding. When did it come to the point that these mid-majors are jumping over the major programs and getting number one seeds? Uh, a good question. Um, I think it, it might be like a, a new culture of sorts. Um, that's that's, that's kind of you know, making this way by well by way of the mid majors. Um, I happen I happen to watch a couple of Dayton games. I watched the Dayton game. Matter of fact, um, Saturday with uh, GW, it was tight at first, but then they end up they beat them by like twenty five or twenty six. Went from a tight game, though it'd be a nail biter to a blowout. Um, so Dayton, Dayton is for real. Gonzaga, you know, the Zags, they've, they've always had a good program. Um, uh, Creighton, Creighton, they, uh, Creighton, they, they, they've been good, but then they, they kind of like, you know, disappeared, but then they back. Um, I, I think it's the, the mid majors is, you know, a lot of these, these, these kids, man, they, they, they picking the mid majors, but then I think, you know, a lot of these schools from like, you know, the major schools like Kansas and uh, Carolina. I don't know what happened to them this year, but uh, my goodness, uh, the Duke. Like they, they sleep on these teams. They, I think they look past them and then they get punched in the mouth by these teams. So I think that's what's really going on. And you see some of their resumes and who they beat, and you be like, wow, they, you know, so they, yeah, man. Like I think. People sleep on these mid majors because they're mid majors, but you know, mid majors they they have to prove something. Right. Now I'm looking at this uh the AP top twenty five, which I, I absolutely love. Now Kansas is the number one team in the country right now at twenty eight and three. They fifteen and one at home, sixteen straight wins. So Kansas, you know, should be a lot. Gonzaga is twenty nine and two. 17 and 0 at home. Uh they lost one, but they, they won two straight. Now Dayton then won 20 straight games. 17 and 0 at home, 9 and 0 away. Uh 29 and 2. But Florida State, number four. 16 and uh 0 at home, but they can't play on the road. They're 7 and 5 on the road. Uh, Baylor's number five. San Diego State dropped down to number six, and they just lost the game. San Diego State's thirty-two. Maryland's all the way down to twelve. They just want to share the Big Ten title. Congratulations to the the Terps over there in College Park. Uh, Maryland's another team that can't win away from home. They're five and six on the road, but sixteen and one at home. And Duke, uh, number ten. 25 and 6. I mean, I'm, I'm naming the big schools. Uh, Virginia, Seton Hall, Louisville, Wisconsin. I guess you can consider Butler a big school. They're number 24. Illinois, uh, Ohio State. It, 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 
in college basketball, top 25 really don't mean much. It just means position. But it don't mean much because I've seen the number one team get all the way to the NCAA final and get beat by a number seven. So that doesn't mean anything. That's regular season. But that don't mean anything on Selection Sunday. I'm just wondering how Florida State is getting passed over. They getting jumped by Baylor for a number one seed. I don't understand that. I don't understand how Merlin has went from guaranteeing a number two seed to a number three seed now in the South. Uh, I'm just, I don't know. I wonder who's going to be the number one overall team in uh, in the in, in the tournament. I want to know who's going to be the number one, number one. So, but just a few questions. I mean, if you can answer those questions, why we've gotten this culture change, please hit mm-hmm. the sideline junkies up. Sideline junkies twenty four seven at gmail dot com. We'd be glad to hear what you got to say. <sighs> but next NCAA question. This is for you, Delonte. This is yours. Who is your favorite to win it all? <laughs> this this is far fetched, <laughs> but I'm at the uh, I'm at the damn. I I want to stick with home. I wanted to because I've seen these dudes like they actually, they actually went on an impressive run uh, throughout February and and like the um, late the uh, later part of January. So I'm, I'm gonna go with the Terps. I'm gonna go with the Terps. I this this year's Terp squad. I'm I'm kind of getting uh, like they went to Michigan State and beat them. I mean they went into uh, Lansing and, and beat uh, Michigan State. I'm 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 not going to uh, compare them to the Juan Dixon, Chris Wil- Wilcox, Terp squad. Like that squad was legendary with Baxter and Steve Blake, those guys, but. This team right here with uh, Anthony Cowan, um, this this is a pretty damn good group. So, I I think Mer- if, if Merlin if they win this tournament, they they should be on part of like do major things in the uh, in the in the big tournament. So I'm I'm going with I'm going with my Terps, man. I'm hoping so, man. I, you know what? That's what my heart says. You know, go with the Terps. But I, I, I'm a, I'm a play devil's advocate. I'm going to look at Duke. Duke ain't got too many big names. I don't think they have any big names this year. I see them quietly making the Final Four. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you got one of the greatest college coaches of all time. And, and Coach K. Mike Krzyzewski, he can motivate men. I'm sure he can motivate women. Um, he probably can motivate toddlers. You see what he did in the Olympics. When he took over as head coach uh, of the Olympic team, those teams played with some fire. I mean, 04 was a bad year. That was the bronze medal team. But Redeem team in 08, uh, 2012. Uh, didn't we win gold in 16? And now we got this summer coming up, man. Summer, I, I haven't been excited about Olympic basketball since 92. And Krzyzewski taking over put made me excited about Olympic basketball. So I'm, but I'm going with Duke as my uh, 
my favorite. I may be wrong, but I doubt it. <laughs> no, that's, that's that's fair. And you said Merlin. All right. All right, switching gears, we're going to stay with basketball. We're going to jump into the NBA. Let's talk about – let's go out west. Let's talk about that Lake show. 49 and 13, number one in the West, nine and one in their last 10 games. Um, they had a showdown back to back. Friday night, they had Milwaukee. They beat the Bucks 113, 103. Yesterday, it was the Battle of LA. They beat the Clippers 112, 103. Tomorrow night, they got the Nets in LA. Delonte. Is there anything that can stop this train? I, I uh, I just say nah. Um, and and pre- like that Clippers win, whew, that was gutsy. But that that win against uh, Milwaukee, that was a, a statement win. Um, I well, first off, I, LeBron, he, he's MVP. Uh, anything. Uh, you know, other than that, is, is a, a complete tragedy and some BS. But uh, yeah, he, I, I think, I think it's, it's it's all about the Lake Show this year. It's all about the Lake Show. You know, and, and then I, I'm 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 sure like the, uh, you know, with, with everything would happen with uh, Kobe. You know the other pat. You know daughter. The other passengers. You know served as 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 a as, a, uh, as fuel of sorts. Um, they just they've been on another page, man. They've been on another. They've been they rocking and rolling. So uh, I don't think anything can stop these guys. And I think you know LeBron his hunger at age thirty five. It's 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 incredible to witness this. So yeah, I'm Lake Show. Lake Show. I'm dropping you know, the mic so. on that one. <laughs> Which I, I think you should. Because I don't think it's anybody in the West that can stop this train. Yeah. You know, um, LeBron, and everybody's saying, you know, LeBron gave that look. And we ain't seen that look since uh, Miami. And that's the playoff LeBron look. Right. And when LeBron was in Miami, I couldn't stand him. That was the one time that I, I, I actually didn't root for LeBron. Because I was bitter. I'm not going to lie. I was bitter because he went and built a super team in Miami, and it was unstoppable. But my Bulls were number one in the conference. Uh, two out of those three years he was in Miami. or two No, three out of those four years he was in Miami, they were number one in the conference. And when we got into the playoffs, refs always cheated for LeBron and them daggone heats. Right. The heats. But, uh, LeBron is on another level. I read an article. Uh, uh, it was an interview with Anthony Davis, and he was like, I'm trying to get the timing down with LeBron because he'll be running the floor and he'll be calling for the oop, and i just be scared to throw it because I'm like, you know, it's year 17, he 35, and he gets mad because I won't throw it. But I don't know what the hell LeBron James drank I don't, he drank from the fountain of youth because the kid is not a that's still a kid from Akron. All he did was mature, and now he is on a mission. 
the 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 Lakers are going to be probably dominant. Now, if we talking in terms of terms of Laker teams, I think two thousand one Lakers that year that they played uh, Philly, and they went fifteen and one. The only loss to Philly in Game One of the Finals. Yeah. I think that's the type of dominance we're about to see in the playoffs. That's just my opinion. But uh, you got one of the, the best bigs, if not the best big, in Anthony Davis. You got the best player on the planet in LeBron James. Uh, Alex Caruso is a fan Let's favorite. Go. Yeah. He giving you the business. Uh you still got Danny Green. You got a lot of talent on this team. But now here's a, a hard question for you. Now we know the Clippers are the Clippers are um second in the West. And they're seven games behind. But who is the true second fiddle in the West? Who's that who's that number two team that could Jump up and, and and snatch the brass ring if the Lakers can't do it. I I want to say Houston. I'm not saying Houston. I want to say Houston, but a playoff run with no true center. Nah, man. Nah. Like, come on. You know, nice try, but nah. Um, I gotta go with the Clippers. Uh, they still the best defensive team. In the league, they got some dogs on defense. Uh, Kawhi, Paul, you know Paul George. Uh, what's the kid? Um, Harrell, and then let's not forget one of my new favorite players, um, Patrick Beverly. That dude is a absolute dog on defense. Mm-hmm. You know he he, you know what I'm saying he he give fouls on purpose. This dude he is like in your face. He and his thing he like to guard the best player. On every team, um, so I, I I think it, it would be the Clippers. I I can, I'm pretty sure there's some people that can make a case for the Nuggets. The the Nuggets they low key have a a, a real good situation out there. Um, what's the the big guy's name? Um, Joker. The big guy. Yeah. Joker. And 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 their guard play is is uh, pretty good too. I. I would like to see them play Michael Porter Jr. more. Um, they they gonna end up in a situation um, where they don't play him. Same thing will happen with JJ Redick in Orlando. Um, they I don't know what uh, they didn't really play him, so he got traded. And then once he got traded, he blew up. I think Michael Porter Jr. Same thing will happen with him. His, his team, they're going to come in, they're going to request a trade. They're going to be like, hey, you know, this, this is not it. Not an ideal situation. You know, we will, we would like a trade. He's going to get traded. He can come to um to the Wizards. Michael Porter Jr. can come to the Wizards and make an, an immediate impact. So, yeah, I, I think they can make a case for Denver, but um, I would have to say the true um, number two team in, in, uh, in the West is the Clippers. You know what? I'm going to say this. Now, you say the Clippers, and that's an excellent choice. Yep. I'm going to say the Mavericks. Mm. The Mavericks yeah. got MGK, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. Mm-hmm. You got Porzingis. You got Courtney Lee. Right. 
You got Tim Hardaway Jr. You got Seth Curry, Willie Cauley-Stein, J.J. Barea. And the, the, this dude right here, I think outside of Giannis, this is the only other dude that probably can stand shoulder to shoulder. I think it's Giannis, LeBron, not in this order, but Giannis, LeBron, uh, Luka. Those are your top three players right there. Not taking anything away from Kawhi because Kawhi is top five too. But your top three are those guys right there because Luka is making dudes look crazy. And he's a walking triple-double. So I'm going to have to say the Dallas Mavericks out of the West. That's that's my sleeper team. And they're 39 and 26. They're in the seventh spot right now. But, you know, in the West, that don't mean much. I mean, they're 11 and a half back of the Lakers. But they are only, what, five games back from the number two spot? And that's crazy because two through eight is only separated by like 12 and a half games. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a tight race out there. But now let's jump over to the East Coast where we're at. And Giannis and the Bucks. Now he missed uh, I think he's gonna miss two games. Mm-hmm. I think he's still out. But uh, is there anything stopping these guys? They're fifty-three and eleven, number one in the East, number one in the NBA. And I, I, I'm scared, but I think these guys they could come close to winning seventy because they're just that daggone good. But can anything stop this train over in the East? Uh, honestly. Yeah. Uh, if we stop Giannis, I mean, yeah, they, they have a great supporting cast around them, but I wouldn't sleep on um, Miami. No. Uh, well, Miami's one. Of course, you got Toronto, but the other team, the Celtics. Mm-hmm. The Celtics, uh, uh, the, the, the kid Tatum is game ready. I think the Celtics in a seven-game series can beat Milwaukee. As long as they can stop Giannis. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, definitely good luck. They're definitely going to need it. And speaking of the Greek freak, uh, word on the street is he may be leaving Milwaukee and following the footsteps of another big man that once graced uh, the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee that wore number 33. Hmm. For those that are uninitiated and don't know who we're talking about, yeah. we are talking about one Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. And a lot of word on the street is Giannis could be following those footsteps. Now, uh, if that happens, and they somehow the Lakers got LeBron, AD, and Giannis, and it's organically put together. Nobody's – this is what Giannis is saying. Hey, I'm going to the Lakers. And one of his brothers is already with the Lakers. He's playing one brother now. One brother's with the Lakers. If he goes to the Lakers, I'm sorry. And, you know, I, I, I protect that 72-10 and 10 record with my life. But if those three cats hook up, they stay healthy. <laughs> 
go ahead and shut it down. We we about to lose that. My Bulls are, will no longer be known as the greatest team ever. Because, I mean, 73-9 and nine is good, but it just ain't got a ring to it. Right. But I think they'll win 75 to 80 games probably. If they stay healthy, and because I think they could be cohesive together because LeBron wants to distribute. And he got a power forward in Giannis. A center in uh, AD. Not to mention the supporting cast they got around him. It's scary to think about. I'm going to say it now. That is scary to think about. Now, I think you already answered my next question, which is who's second? Who's the true second fiddle in the Eastern Conference? You said the Celtics. Uh, you know what? Mm-hmm. Looking at the Celtics, 42 and 21, and number three in the, in the, in the Eastern Conference. I got to agree with you, brother. Because the Celtics, I don't think the Celtics have begun to play ball yet. And the East is, the, 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 I'll say this, the one through six is dangerous. And one through six is separated. Six won 15 games. Um, five and six separated by one. It's a tight race, three through six. Three, four, five, six is a tight race. I think one and two, I think you throw the two seed in there. Nobody's going to catch the Bucks this season. But the Wizards are fighting and clawing, and they're 23 and 40, and they're in the ninth spot. That shows you how weak the East is. The mighty, mighty East is very weak at the bottom. In the Western Conference, your nine seed, your eight seed is 32 and 32. Your nine seed is 28 and 36. Man. I, I, I don't even know, brother. I don't know what to think about the East. But the Celtics are, if the Bucks can't do it, the Celtics will. And if we get a Celtics-Lakers finals and that thing goes seven games, most watched thing on TV then in, in 2020. Oh, please believe it. Most why because one thing I felt, and I felt this in 04 when the Lakers played uh Detroit. I said the league is about to be set back on its axis. All the old school rivalries are gonna start to come back to the forefront. And it happened. The 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 the, the, the uh the Nixon Bulls was a knockdown drag out because you know they were both clawing trying to get better. The Bulls rose up. The Knicks rose up for a little bit, but then, you know, they sank back down. Um, Lakers-Celtics. Celtics, you know, with the, uh, the the formation of the big three in 08. Then you had them meet up in the, in the finals in 08 and then again in 2010. I mean, it was like the league came back to that A's and it was knocked down, drag out, but it was so fun to watch. So fun. <sighs> I think that's what we're going to see. We may see a Lakers-Celtics finals if we don't see Lakers-Bucks. So, just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, whew. Um, well, let's jump to our last topic. Um, I'm wondering if you heard uh, 
the news of Spike Lee and the aforementioned Knicks. Uh, he, uh, what was that, last Wednesday night? Last mm-hmm. Thursday, I believe. It was one day last week. He entered the garden and through the entrance he's entered in for 28 years. And if you don't know who Spike Lee is, great filmmaker, uh, avid Knicks fan. When you talk about Knicks fans, Spike Lee is the Knicks fan that I associate with the Knicks in their heyday. And I mean, from the 70s, and he put that in his movies, the 70s Knicks in his movies. But the 90s Knicks and, you know, Pat Riley, Oakley, Anthony Mason, Patrick Ewan, John Starks, you always seen uh, uh, Spike Lee courtside, especially during the playoffs against the Pistons. I mean, the uh, Pacers. Him and Reggie, a love-hate affair. That was freaking awesome. That's why you fell in love with the game. So he is a Knicks super fan, as well as a legend. He had a problem with security. They told him he had to get off the elevator. He went in through the employee's entrance, pressing employee's entrance that he normally goes through. They told him he had to get off the elevator, walk two blocks down on 33rd Street, and enter that way. He said no. Because, I mean, it's common knowledge. If you leave a sporting event after your ticket's been scanned, you cannot get back in. Right. Okay? They take him up to the sixth floor. They walk him down to a seat. At halftime, the owner of the Knicks, James Dolan, he tells Spike, we need to talk. Spike says, we don't need to talk about nothing. Apparently, and then they, they, they made it worse by releasing a statement saying, oh, we warned him about that, that he can't use that entrance. But he had just used the entrance two days prior to this game to go see a play at Madison Square Garden. (sighs) With everything that happened, and we we used to talk about dumpster fires during the football season. I think the Knicks are freaking dumpster fire as an organization and a team. But to come after your super fan like that, I'm rambling on. I'm saying too much. Delonte, take this. Tell me what you think about this whole situation. I I think they uh they're definitely um redefining the uh, the phrase uh, burning bridges or burning the bridge. And this this is not a good bridge to burn. You're talking about somebody who's a fan who's stuck by this team through. The uh, the long you know the well, the, the the Larry Johnson era the um, the Allen Houston era the Mellow era like you know even you know even when it uh, went head up against Reggie Miller like now nah, you can't treat Spike he's like an ambassador to Knicks basketball you you can't treat uh, Spike like this man this is not cool not cool at all so I I think um. Dolan, I don't know what's going on with Dolan. First it was Charles Oakley, now it's um, Spike. I don't, I, I'm not sure what's going on. He think he need to kind of like fall back from that. Indeed, and see, here's my problem. You bring up Charles Oakley, he and Spike Brunley. He said, "You're not going to do to me what you did to my brother Charles Oakley." Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, security tried to rough Charles Oakley up and wound up getting their ass beat. Yeah, they did. Now, Oak is in his 50s. But Oak is built like an oak tree. 
I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley, and I ain't afraid to fight nobody. But Oakley, old school rough dude, you know. They, they, yeah. they, they, they. Richard Price say, you know, you fight young dudes. They want to talk before they fight. Oakley, a old school old dude. He gonna put you in the headlock, talking about you ain't gonna build no reputation on me. Mm-hmm. Nah, mm, I'm good, bro. But to do that to a former player, to do that to your super fan. That's like uh, the Wizards doing that to Wale. Right. And Wale has been a Wizards fan for a long time. Now he's getting to sit on the floor. He used to sit in the nosebleed section. Same thing with Spike. Now mm-hmm. he gets to sit on the floor because he can afford those tickets now. Yeah. Uh, uh, would the Lakers ever do that to Jackson? Oh, no. Ah, man. Never. What happened? to owners knowing that the people that are showing up to this game you're the reason why I have this thing you're the reason why I can pay these people thank you I shouldn't be treating I don't care if you're Spike Lee I don't care if you're the sideline junkies I don't care if you're the man from the hole in the wall you're still a fan of my team Every chance I get, I should be thanking you for showing up to see this abysmal train wreck that I keep putting on the floor. Thank you for living and dying with this team. But these owners, they don't think about that. And I really think in my heart of hearts, there's something wrong with James Dolan. Yeah. Early on, something. I'm just... I'm just saying, but I'm gonna say this, and I, I think you may be in agreement. I stand with Spike. So, uh, hopefully, after that BS statement that the late uh, the Knicks put out, uh, hopefully this will be resolved, and you know, the Knicks apologize. So, but. That's all our time we have for the night. Uh, we got the DC Sports Rundown coming up. Uh, it'll probably be done Wednesday, so it'll be available early Thursday morning. So keep a lookout for that. Um, you've been watching XFL, brother? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I checked. The, I watched a couple defender uh, defenders games. Most and I'm pretty good, pretty good. Um, of course, you know, they started out with a bang, but, you know, they kind of hit a rough patch, but can't give up on the defenders. And the league as a whole, they said the league's first four games drew an average of 1.4 million viewers over the weekend. Yeah, I can believe it. And they had, in week three, they had 1.6 million viewers. But they, they, their numbers they had over a million viewers every weekend. Right. The numbers are steady. People are talking about, oh, the novelty aware of. Nah, 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 nah. It's yeah. different. It's totally different because they're playing. They're they're putting football where there wasn't any football before. Right. Now, you know, we got spring training starting. March Madness is starting, uh, which conference tournaments and the big dance is going to start. But that's only going to last for a month. Spring training is not all that exciting. 
but XFL is keeping you there at least until the WNBA starts and the NBA playoffs start. So I, I think, and they're not going head to head with anybody. They're in their own little zone. They're in their own little box. They've learned from their mistakes in the past and everybody else's mistakes, i.e. the USFL. So I like where it's going. So I, I'm just, I'm digging it. But that's it for us. Um, be sure to check out the last show we did, which was the WrestleManiacs from Saturday, where we did our Elimination Chamber picks. And, of course, you heard this man that's with me in the studio, Delonte, and his push segment, which has been absolute fire since he started. I want to let you know that. Um, dude, keep doing what you're doing. Hey, man, appreciate it, man. You know, and, and glad I, you know, happy I can make a contribution, man. Absolutely love it, man. Absolutely love it. Now, one of the things uh, for our wrestling fans, Raw's in town tonight at the Capital One Arena. Uh, Would have loved to have been there, but I had to work today. So did Delonte. So, and Don and James are down south in South Carolina and Atlanta, respectively. So, we had to sit out this one, but we got money in the bank in May, and that's in Baltimore. So we keep an eye on the tickets. We may sit nosebleed, but Delonte, we in there. Yes, sir. So that's all our time. Until the next time, that's Delonte. I'm KG. We are your sideline junkies, and we are out of here. Peace.